See that bear lapping up that good old country water? Sure makes a big hairy guy like me thirsty. That's when I wrap my lips around a tall, sweaty, edible bottle of good old country bear whiz beer. As my daddy said, son, it's in the water. That's why it's yellow. <laughs> bear whiz beer. Bear whiz beer, liquid product of Andrew Bearwood's brewery, Animal, Missouri. One season, two bathtubs, Ohio bathtub season, two best friends, no clothing, confusing bathtub season, it's bathtub season, it's bathtub season, it's bathtub season, it's bathtub season. Greetings, bathtub listeners. Austin here. I know you don't usually hear from me like this, but I have to come to you before you start this episode with a bit of bad news. Due to a technical error during the recording of this episode, my normal microphone was not picked up, and instead we have the audio only from the webcam mic I used to record the video. You may notice that during this episode, I sound more like a bathtub than a person in a bathtub. I hope this doesn't ruin the experience for you, and I promise our normal audio will be back up next episode. I hope you enjoy. Well, hello there, Austin. Hello, Corey. How are you doing on this fine evening? I am submerged in some bubbly water, so I am doing fantastic. Nice. That sounds wonderful. Mine's not bubbly yet, because I liked the thing I did last time where I didn't add anything until we got to that segment. Okay, so we're doing fizzy legs. Fizzy legs is back. I did have a whole idea and everything for the beginning of this, but we record these late so that I can get my son to bed and make sure he's asleep. But some nights when I'm putting him to bed, I also fall asleep. And that happened tonight, so I just woke up from like a 20-30 minute nap after 9pm, so my brain's a bit fuzzy. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm, I'm waking up. This calming, warm bath is, is, is not helping. No, I'm going to say, that's not going to be your answer here. <laughs> Ah, but it was, it's my birthday. It was my birthday this weekend. And we were just celebrating Mother's Day for you. We were just celebrating my mother's, the mother, the day for me. <laughs> I was going to say, not your Mother's Day. Right. <laughs> but also somehow your Mother's Day. Yes, yes, it is my day. Saturday was my day. You're an old man now. I know, but the listeners don't know what we're recording on, so now every Saturday is my day to you. Is this part of your living will and testament again? <laughs> no. <laughs> and then also, I had taken off a couple days for my birthday from work and had planned on, you know, getting a lot of stuff done around the house, rewatching this special, re going over my notes, and then our babysitters 
daughter got very sick, and so I had to watch our son those days, which was great, but I'm very rusty on, on this show, so I may need a, you to take the uh, the lead on a lot of tonight's episode. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Not because I fell asleep about 30 minutes ago, but because everyone's getting sick at the moment. <laughs> and everything you know is wrong. Everything you know is wrong. I did have it on today while watching The Child, but I didn't have much chance to actually pay attention. But I got some of the beats. Fair enough. Well, before we jump into this episode, is there anything else? No. You can just hop right into this 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 bath water. Speaking of your bath water, what is in it? Well, nothing yet. Well, what's about to be in it, fizzy legs? Right. <laughs> I hate soup. It's the wettest of foods. My sack soup seasoning for the night is, there's some fun things. I got two I'm holding up to the camera. First thing is Crayola's Vivid Violet Bubbly Bath Salt, which apparently bubbles, fizzies, and crackles. Crackle makes the world go round. Same. There's not much else info on it other than it says not to eat it. Fair. See how that goes. Ah, oh my gosh, this is very pink. Oh, Jesus. It smells like grapes, like grape candy. It's very pink. Woo. Smells delicious, though. I love grape candy. Well, you're in a bath of it. Mm. Maybe that's all it really is. Maybe it's just like that powdered grape candy. Oh, what is that called that you like? It starts as a powder and you chew it and then it turns into gum. I don't remember what it's called. But then my other one also has a very large warning for not for consumption because it is Toxic Waste Slime Liquors Blue Raspberry Scented Bath Bomb. That's a lot of words. <laughs> Why did Toxic Waste the candy make a bath bomb? <laughs> what? Slime liquors? Slime liquor. What? This bag's hard to open. I know I said you were going to be bathing in goat milkers. I didn't say slime liquors. It's a very small bath bomb. I'll give it that. I kind of want to lick it to see if it is sour. <laughs> I'm not going to. I mean, I'm going to open it with my teeth, though. Just because... Why did they use this very thick, multi-layer system? To keep the toxic waste contained? Ugh. It's salty. It's not sour. Margaritas can be both. It's a bizarre choice because there's no way of knowing if your bath water is sour. I mean, you can smell like different sweet things, but I don't think I can smell something and know it's sour. Not the kind of sour I would expect from candy. Right, especially toxic waste. It's got a weird consistency too, but let's put that in and get these knees a-bubbling. Slow burn so far. The water got pink instantly. It didn't crackle like it said it was going to. Which is a little sad. A little disappointed with that. This bath bomb is is hardly bubbling. It's going, but it's not like explosive, not more like rapid like like many are. So I'm not getting the uh, the knee pit bubbles. Low pressure bath bombs. Low pressure bath bombs. I don't know which I prefer. Maybe something in the middle. Medium pressure bath bombs. <laughs> what is your sack soup seasoning this evening? Well. Since we made this a two-parter, my sack soup seasoning is once again a shark attack bloodbath. I received two of these as gifts because my friends love me. 
that's friendship right there. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Anything else? That is my seasoning. I do have some stress relief incense burning as well. Oh, that sounds lovely. I should have gotten some going. You're missing out this time. Although you don't need anything else to put you to sleep. Right. Man, I am tired. <laughs> we'll see if this turns into a three-parter, but I think we can get through this. What are you imbibing this evening? I am having a Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales La Roja with boysenberry and guava, sour amber air. It's a limited series. Hmm. It's a, again, another one with a lot going on, like so many of yours are. I have a lot going on. I like drinks that reflect that. <laughs> I also have a joint of Critical Jack. That's not as fancy sounding as many as yours frequently are. No, not, not as fancy. Just a nice sativa. Nice. What's your sauce? Yeah, I'm having one I mentioned on an earlier episode. It is Old Milwaukee's America's Non-Alcoholic Near Beer. And it's hard to find, but it's one of my favorite NA light beers. Like if you just want like a, like if you're not drinking, but you want like a, a Miller Lite or Bud Light while doing some yard work or stuff around the house. The old Milwaukee one is quite good. It's hard to find though, like I said. You heard it here first. You're on a scavenger hunt if you are looking for that in a beer. Mm-hmm. I got this at Meyer. If you have a Meyer, try that. Meyers are great. People don't respect Meyer enough. There's never anyone there. They're now cheaper than Kroger. That Kroger is like high-end shopping and they actually have everything unlike Aldi. They also usually have good gas prices when they have a gas station. Mm-hmm. And one of the few uh, that has, um, oh shit, what's like the stuff you can get at some gas stations you put in like the blue thing that you use to burn stuff? Kerosene? Yeah, I think it is. But that's the only gas station around us that has that. So I use that to, for when starting bonfires outside. Fair enough. I will say also just to, to be a Meyer fanboy here, I guess, they, at some point in the last, I think, couple of years, put out their own line of food under the Frederick's name that hmm. it has some really great flavors and options across the board, like sauces, chips, like all kinds of shit. Keep that in mind. I don't know if I've noticed that. That's also, I got my PS5 at Meyer <laughs> like a year ago, almost to the day that I got mine. And that was just when you were finally finding them in stores, but it was still very hard. Our Meyer had a ton of them because no one thought to go to Meyer to buy a PS5. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All must learn to play the piano. Many of You must get yourself together. I will go back to a couple things we talked about in the last episode now that I know more than I knew then. So we talked about the garbled parts on the video. Yeah. And whether we thought they were all intentional or some of that was just bad transfer. Mm -hmm. Turns out they are all intentional. I listened to the record and they are all intentional. I, it sounded weird enough. I think that's why I thought they were intentional. That's like, that would be pretty extreme to just come out of nowhere for like bad VHS transfer. It wouldn't go from zero to a billion like that. So, Corey was right there. Here's your trophy. Ooh. The other thing I'll say is there are two parts, one of which I don't remember, so I probably won't talk about it. I think it was in the second half, though. But there are two parts that are longer on the record than they are in the video. Hmm. And one of them is the old medicine show. There is more 
that actually substantiates their claims about how powerful Native Americans are, even though it still didn't answer anything about the wire recorder. <laughs> and I just looked it up because I meant to before we started about what a knee pit is officially called. Because I was thinking about it after since we last recorded that that what we would call our knee pit, that's not actually a knee pit because like a knee pit would be like under your butt cheeks if we're going off of what's your armpit. Like the knee pit would be like your weenus on your arm. Or the opposite of that. Yeah, the opposite of that. The anti-weenus. You're the antichrist. I've only ever heard of it referred to as an elbow ditch, which is kind of like a knee pit. <laughs> but apparently the scientific name for a knee pit is the popliteal fossa, but it is also commonly referred to as the hoe, like H-O-U-G-H. That's weird. What? Why? Yeah, I've never heard that. <laughs> nope. Hawk. <laughs> How else would you pronounce that? Could be huff, depending on where you're from. Huff? Yeah. Kind of like dew claw. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be weird if humans had dew claws? I'm glad we don't. So yeah, I'm gonna call that my hoe from now on. Like, don't touch my hose and just point to the back of my knees and confuse everyone in the room. I got hoes. Yeah, yeah, you will. <laughs> Every time. Make a great shirt. <laughs> 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 so if I remember correctly, Austin, we left off last episode during an ad break. We did indeed. We had just learned about Bear Wiz Beer. <laughs> and now it's time for a weather update. I was confused by this whole ad. I think I understood what they were going for, but like... Even after rewatching it a few times, I was like, I think I know what the jokes are here, but I don't understand the whole thing enough to know if I'm just crazy or if that's correct. So I just didn't have any notes for that one. <laughs> okay, well, my notes are short for this. Basically, like we said before, we're in the middle of an ad break. We had the Bear Wiz Beer ad that we talked about last episode. Mm -hmm. And then before the second ad, we cut back to you know the newsroom, essentially, for this weather break update. So the weatherman says, it was hotter than Hooker and Heater today and hotter than heater in Hellmouth, where the high was 133, with thunder showers anticipated later this evening. I think I read that in a Dr. Seuss book once. <laughs> you know, I can see it. The way you, like, enunciated it was very, very Dr. Seuss-ish. I loved it. I love, I love Dr. Seuss books. Maybe I have a career reading Dr. Seuss books for audio. It's a skill. After he says all this, with, you know, most of the joke being the names and them all being alliteration and the way he flows together and Hooker obviously having double meaning. But when he's saying that it was a high of 133 and then that there were thunder showers anticipated, he takes a lighter and he lights this cutout of the United States he's pointing at on fire and then starts squirting it with a water pistol. <laughs> we need more practical effects in our weather newsmen and fire we need more fire well, that's what i meant by practical effects right but specifically fire i am fire whoa hey, you're fire yeah yeah you like you kick ass yeah not just in the weather segment all segments so after this weather update and the uh squirt gun antics of the weatherman we get our second commercial break and this is McGog Brothers Atlantic Carpet Reclaimers. <laughs> now, this one confused me until the second time watching through. 
because I didn't realize it was all connected. Okay, yes. Do you want to explain what's going on? I can do that. So it's a big echoey sales commercial. You see this guy on an absolute pile of fucking rubble and he's yelling and he's basically saying that the comet, that this comet hit Earth that everyone knows about at this point it's just common knowledge. There's a comet, there's a big hole in the earth. <laughs> but it apparently destroyed the McGog Brothers carpet warehouse. So they're having a giant comet sale where they're selling remnants, burnt ends, and labels from all your top brands. This ad, like, after, like I said, watching the second time and understanding what the canon of the world is, was in my head would fit so well into a Fallout game because that is 100% what, like, a capitalist dystopia ad would be. Magog Brothers Atlantis Carpet Reclaimer. That makes sense. I back it. I support it. Just a side note also, uh, I don't think I have anything else about this commercial except this is one of the characters in this film that was played by Peter Bergman who was Captain Tick. <laughs> it's not the first one he was, mm -mm. but I don't remember who the other ones were. He was in some of the historical mm -hmm. stuff. He was one of the ones in blackface, but this was the first one that I had made a note and been like, that's the guy. Mm -hmm. So then we cut from there back to the newsroom and they are describing essentially the comet hole. And one of my favorite lines from the entire show, it has a very solid chance of being my favorite line from both parts. But one of the first things the newsmaker says is, as some Chinese philosopher said, just dig a hole that's deep enough, and everybody will want to jump into it. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> you know, it's not untrue in this world, but it's such a nonsensical thing that sounds deep. But, oh, my God, I was laughing so, so hard and, like, not even just saying, like, LOL. Like, I, I stopped it and had to walk out of the room. I was laughing so hard because it, it just comes out of nowhere. This wild ass line. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so one thing I did notice, and I don't know if, if you picked up on it, is that all of the news footage, there's an ongoing gag that makes it seem like we're watching it from inside the studio, not like on TV, not like a recording or mm -hmm. a record of it. Because every time that they finish the broadcast, the mics are still live. It has them chatting after. I caught on to that, but I don't think it's... That's very purposeful because the whole thing is that this is footage that Pat had... Not Pat, but uh, what's his face? Smiley. Harry Cox. Harry Cox has recovered. And throughout the whole thing, we find out at the very end how he gets the newscasting one. But this is footage that he has obtained. So it would make sense that it wouldn't be broadcast onto TV. I suppose, but... This also all seems like it's happening real time. That one newscast was on the TV when he was getting ready to go to Whole Flappers. That's true. But like I said last episode, we also had some insight from um, the stuff around his trailer that he seems to have some sort of connection with the newscast or broadcast industry. True. So maybe he's got to feed into it. Also, I thought you were going to say about a running gag with these newscasters did you catch on that one of them literally never says anything and his whole thing is he asks the other guy what's going on 
<laughs> no, I didn't catch on to that. The one on the left literally never says anything of any relevance. <laughs> uh, okay. I think that's Harold, if I remember right. <laughs> Anytime he gets to like a point where he has to say something relevant, he just asks a question. <laughs> I don't think I picked up on that. That's funny, though. Yeah. So anchor number two, the one on the right, Ray, introduces Pat Hat, who is in the field with Rebus Canevis, <laughs> as he prepares to jump into the hole to the center of the earth. <laughs> now, this is the hole left by the comet. Here's where it all starts to tie together. Mm-hmm. Pat has a colorful jacket and a Western-style hat, just so you can picture something. Yeah, and they're kind of giving off the vibe that he is the square to Rebus Canebus's cool, because Rebus has, like, three women just fawning over him, and he's just answering with these cool guy responses. Yeah, and he's just, like, making out with these women <laughs> in between responding <laughs> to Pat. Uh, there was a line right here from Pat that made me pause. I don't know if it made you pause as well, but Pat is, you know, talking to the camera and he says, This is Pat Hat, and I'm here in the desert with Rebus Canebus, here where tomorrow over 210 fine million Americans will turn their 422 million blue eyes upon this man. Yeah. They make another joke like that later on. And to me, that was just like a perfect example of how this is an American Monty Python, just that weird absurdist humor of that time period. And I thought that was very funny. I liked that line. That was good. There is another one that I had tied with my favorite philosopher line from a few minutes ago that was in this interview between Pat and Rebus. I don't know if you have any other statements on this particular scene. It was a pretty good exchange in general between them. Did Rebus grab Pat's ass at some point? Like I do a reach around? Did you just grab my ass? I didn't catch it, but I'm not gonna rule it out. There's a quick cutaway. I rewound it like 10 times and I couldn't figure out definitively of Rebus reaching over and grabbing somebody's butt. And I could not for the life of me tell if it was Pat's or just showing him grabbing one of the women's butts. Fair enough. But the line that I loved in this interaction, I won't be able to do it justice because it's in the delivery of it because it's so quick. Pat says to Rebus, he says, as a great scientist once said to me, what goes down must come up. And Rebus responds, Pat, I'm not going down and out. Live or die, I'll make a million. <laughs> Yep. So nonsensical and hilarious. <laughs> See, I loved the beginning of that exchange. It's a really quick thing that is nothing, but Pat's like, aren't you scared, Rebus? And Rebus is like, I'm not as scared as you are, Pat. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> These, to me, this whole interaction was just full of, like, tickisms because those responses to Pat's actual interview questions are things that sound profound and are just nonsense. <laughs> Absolutely. At the end of this, Pat asks Rebus if he's worried about the weather because there are reports of flash flood along the Colorado. And he's like, what if the big river floods the hole? And Rebus is like, I'm not worried about that. And they both come to the conclusion that it'll either make the hole slicker or... It'll put out the sun at the center of the earth. And then isn't there like an exchange about like, what if he goes straight through the earth and comes out the other side? <laughs> yes, that he'll uh, go into orbit over Kathmandu. Yeah, and Rebus has a reverse parachute, whatever that is, for that exact eventuality. 
<laughs> yes, and some sort of special trick shoes. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I had from this interaction, it wasn't even lines, but it ends with Pat doing an overview of the situation by himself, by his news anchor car. Yep. But he has changed a little bit to where he has a big microphone that now just has the letter six on it for the channel. He has a hat on now with a big six on it that wasn't there before. And then he has a sweet Porsche 911 with hubcaps with the same number six on them on all the wheels. <laughs> Good for Pat. It's a cool car. Sick ride. We should cruise. He does refer to Remus as a square little fellow in his closing statements. Mm -hmm. He's an odd one. So back in the newsroom, the anchors wrap up the coverage on Remus's jump and lets everyone know that pre-leaps at 6 a.m. the next day. Ray says that later tonight they'll see his special report of the tragic flight of Americans of humorous descent as he talks to Bernard Flapdoodle, president and founder of the Funny Names Clubs of America. I don't have a funny name, but that's an organization that I have a lot of respect for. And this is where, uh, at least, I don't know if it's the first time it was said, but it was where I finally picked up that the news anchors' names are Harold Hipphugger and Ray Hamburger. <laughs> they fit right into that organization. Yep, right there with the Flapdoodle. <laughs> Man, working in IT, I see the most wonderful names. Like, I've worked multiple IT jobs, and we always have a running list of our favorite names. And not all of them are, like, funny, but just, like, cool-ass names, too. Like, that's a name and a half. Like, that's so cool. But that's one of the odd perks of working in IT is you work, or in any customer service like that, but you, you get to witness so many wonderful names. Interesting. I think one of my favorites was... I don't even remember the guy's last name, so I'm not going to be, like you know, doxing someone because of their name. Uh, but it was also a cool name. I got a call once um, in a previous role and I pick up the phone and uh, the guy on the other side goes, hi, this is Sir. And I was like, what a strange way to, to introduce yourself, but okay. And then uh, he needed a password reset and I, you know, I pull up his account and his first name is just Sir, S-I-R. <laughs> I was like, well, Sir, I am happy to help you out. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he commanded respect from birth. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. We then cut to this weird, trippy, just like with no explanation, this really bizarre video that is supposed to be, I think, a message of the aliens about what they're going to do to humanity. Supposedly, it's the gas music from Jupiter. Mm -hmm. I didn't have much from this other that they want humanity to surrender to a frog that will lead us. Yes. That all humanity must learn to play the piano. And that, I was confused on this, that either all men and women are the same sex or all men and women should have sex or both. They are the same sex. Okay. They also are removing clothes, the symbol of oppressing. I mean, you know what? With the podcast we're listening to, I think you can probably understand that I agree with that. Behind it. I, and I'm not opposed to the frog either, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had it written down that this, you know, doesn't actually sounds like a pretty good deal. So after men and women are the same sex, here's the part where it gets difficult. It says, you must get yourself together and rooms will be vacated at 12 noon. I miss those two. 
So that's when Harry stops the record. You hear a record scratch, and he's all like, oh, no, this is... I've been taken in by fakes like this before, but here's the real story. He says, the aliens have landed among us. I'm not hot dog yet. <laughs> what a great line. Let's start saying that more. Hot dog. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say hot dogging without having something to say after it. There's something weird about M A N I N G there. <laughs> we then cut to what, you know, surprisingly, you know, especially everything we've we've, we've talked to up to this point, the most bizarre part of the episode to date is it's like an interview show, and it's called The Golden Hind Adventures, presented by Bob Hind with the slogan, Hindsight is Golden, which it's all wonderful. Yep. <laughs> this is where we hear a repeat of something we heard earlier in the episode, which is just strange, that Aztecs invented the vacation. Correct. He is interviewing Buzz and Bunny Crumhunger. That's true. Although I think the first time he said clutch shifter. Oh, I thought the first time he said come hunger. Oh, no, 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 never mind, never mind. Sorry. When he says that the Aztecs invented the like, vacation, he says that that was proven last week by Golda and Heinz clutch shifter. Mm. That's not this week's guess. You know, it's a real common problem to mix up the clutch shifters and the crumb hungers. Yes, it is. Now, Buzz and Bunny seem very, like, average vanilla couple. They're apparently from Harry's trailer park. Yes, but I don't think we knew that at this point. Not yet. It comes up soon. They are talking about a singles cruise that they went on recently, and I wouldn't call this as much a singles cruise as a swingers cruise. <laughs> <laughs> I put the car in swinger, baby! <laughs> I don't know if they knew that, though, either. <laughs> There's, this is just, there's a bunch of cuts of a lot of puns about, like, look at those cliffs. Like, they're rewatching the, you know, the videos from this cruise. He's like, oh, yeah, the cliffs were gorgeous and they were great in bed. Yeah, they were jokes like, they were the showing the water off the boat and he's like, and these are the rapids. And then it cuts to a couple and he's like wearing a sailor's outfit and the woman looks like a biker lady and they're like, those are the rapids. <laughs> and they did that a few times with mm -hmm. the mosses and the humps. Look at that moss. Oh, it's so mm. thick and blue and soft like a tongue. Uh, who are these people? Oh, oh, these are the mosses. And these are the rapids. Oh, they look rough. Oh, they are. <laughs> Bunny and Sunny rapid. Uh -huh, they're grand. Oh, what are these uh, uh, off in the desert? These are the buttes. Those humps, those are the mounds, Paul and Patty. I just subconsciously started sitting like cross-legged and I don't know if I've ever sat crisscross applesauce in a bathtub before, but it's kind of nice. I have, I'm not doing it now, but I can certainly say that I have. So I do, you know, in my fuzzy brain that I got going on, remember that we had a discussion about whether these were new aliens that were coming or if they'd already been here last episode. And this is the line that made me think that they'd been here for a while because it cuts to an island where aliens are just chilling on a sandbar. And then just like Buzz and Bunny are like, oh yeah, that's this is just where the aliens like to land. And you can typically find them there. Yeah, so those aliens have been there for a while. We established during the segment that they've been living there like on their own reservation sort of thing, basically. But my question then is, are these the same aliens that are coming to the comet hole? 
but the aliens coming to the comet hole are, you know, just more of them or a different sect of them or whatever. That's what I got out of it. Or is there a third They alien? do a lot of things, at least in the video part of it, maybe not said out loud, that we have heard in previous segments, like the being averse to milk or putting shoes on dead people's chests. It's tying together with previous segments, so I would assume they're all the same aliens. That's how I always felt about it, watching it, but talking about it made me question it a little bit. Well, here's a great line here, though. I don't think it's going to win, but it was very funny. Uh, and it goes off of one of the things I just said. I think it was Buzz says, aliens don't like milk, but they sure know where it comes from. <laughs> yep. and it's just a video of, like, one of the aliens checking out his wife's boobs. Got milk. Getting all fondly. <laughs> This is where it kind of takes a turn. Also, the aliens uh, honestly kind of look like low-budget Star Wars aliens. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, like the background aliens you would see. Right. But you know that actually makes sense because I'm a super nerd. Well, I guess this is fairly common knowledge now, but in the original Star Wars movies, many of the background aliens were just whatever alien masks they could find at the studios they were at that day from old movies. So interesting. you can go back and find like movies from the 30s and 40s that had aliens starring, you know, with certain masks and those masks just happened to be in the studio still. And that's what they used as the background aliens in the first Star Wars movie. Gotcha. So that actually, you know, that makes sense. It might have been one of these. Well, would this have been before the first Star Wars? It'd been around the same time. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. So, you know, they've docked at this shore and they run into these aliens who live on this island or whatever. And then they show a dehydrated horse laying there and Bunny's like, you see that dehydrated horse? And Buzz is just like, yeah, they do that. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Where were you? I don't know. At that point, the aliens are eating the blue moss and Buzz is pretending to eat it and being like, oh, that tastes terrible. And they try to give the aliens milk, and the aliens don't know what it is. Right. And that's when, but they sure know where it comes from. And then they attack the cameraman. <laughs> then we're in the spaceship. Right, because, like, uh, we're watching this back, and it, the video doesn't have audio, so we just hear the commentary from the interview. So we get, you know, Buzz and Bunny's, you know, commentary on this, and you're like, yeah, this is when we're on the spaceship, and, you know, watching this back, I don't really remember this. <laughs> yep, no recollection of this part of the trip. There's a transparent floating head and pair of women's shoes. Mm-hmm. They then get transported to Arizona with a lot of other aliens. Then a lot of trippy shit happens. <laughs> yeah, that's where they establish the aliens have been living like Native Americans in the deserts in Arizona. Yeah, and then there's a lot of almost naked women dancing around a fire. Yes. The alien chief is playing the piano. Specifically a Fender Rhodes. That's amazing. I want that specific <laughs> Rhodes piano. I'd be happy with any roads, but I want that one specifically most of all. <laughs> right? What the hell? <laughs> the chief then strips Bunny's clothes off and they go into his hut. And then the aliens kill all the other humans and then bring them back to life and accept them into their community. Wow. Specifically, Bunny hits 
fuzz over the head with a bat, I think. I thought it was one of the half-naked women that was already there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Bonnie. Oh, okay. When Bob Hines asks them, because they're showing them this dancing ritual and talking about how, here, they're inviting me to dance. Bob's like, is this beating and clubbing a part of the dance? And that's when Buzzy's hitting him, or sorry, Bunny. They keep saying different names during this. It's very confusing. Mm -hmm. But she hits him over the head with this stick or whatever. And she's like, yes and no. (laughs) Yeah, it's bizarre. But yes, they bring them all back to life. And now Buzz and Bunny are aliens. Yeah, it cuts back to the interview room. And uh, the interviewer asks, like, wait, so does it mean you guys are both aliens right now? And they're both like, yep, yes, we are. <laughs> they both kind of look like they're pregnant. Yeah, I was, that was my next note. It like z- The camera kind of zooms out a little bit than it was before. And you can see them that they're both now pregnant. And that's where it ends. And there's another, you know, gag where they keep talking after the broadcast stops and buzz asks you ever been to the piss fest bob what is that i don't know maybe it's we used to have an underwear festival in our hometown austin that's not the same as a piss fest that sounds like a subreddit that i'm sure exists though Uh, yeah you're not wrong (laughs) yeah i missed that but I don't even know if I want to get into what that could mean because I don't know if we can go past the explicit. How wet can we get? Right. (laughs) So then we go to another segue from Harry. This is where he tells us that the chrome hungers who were on this show are his trailer park neighbors. Mm -hmm. And they've been there since like the 40s. And that whole flapper says that they've been altered. These things have turned you into something you're not. Yeah, and I thought there's a line that I found funny here that Harry says they're his neighbors and he's known them for a long time, so they're definitely not crazy, which coming from him means absolutely nothing. (laughs) You call me crazy? I don't know. I'm sure he can pick them, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. So he introduces the next video. This one is an official stolen government training film of the secret plan to deal with an alien uprising. This whole thing was very funny. I mean, these all were, and it's, I will give them credit that each of these different segments is a very different kind of humor and all done very well. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I did. Right. You know, I may have to have you take... The lead on this particular thing because at some point during this recording my notebook on this one page in particular got wet and half my notes are ineligible <laughs> all right so <laughs> general curtis goatheart tells the viewer if they're watching this film we're under alien attack and their brain may no longer be the boss you know i had already come to accept that long ago so he's not telling me anything new well good because if you're beginning to doubt what he's saying you're probably hallucinating (laughs) so he starts to give instructions what to do if an alien appears there's a man pointing to a chalkboard Mm -hmm. these scenes are going to be very hard to do in the podcast so we may just have to point you to the videos because a lot of it is humor of what's written on the board compared to what's being said yes the general is saying one thing and the boards have a much more simplified and not totally correct in some cases interpretation of that mm-hmm. the first one i thought was very funny though it says to hide under your seats 
So it's like just making the wild assumption that you are definitely going to be on a seat, and they even reference like a plane seat at some point. Yeah, it says drop under the seat of your plane and look away. <laughs> like, that's such a... What tiny percentage of humanity is going to be in that exact situation? That that's your number one point. And that's it. That's where you start. <laughs> Next is avoid eyes or avoid eye contact. Already do that. I'm good there. And then we have if there are no eyes, avoid all contact, which the board reads no content. Yep. After that, we are taught to identify alleged sightings in the same format. Mm -hmm. We're told to look for pie plates or auras, reflections in the atmosphere. It's plates of pie in the sky. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> then the general says, dry cleaning bags filled with Mars gas. When was the last time you had a dry cleaning bag? When's the last time I went to a dry cleaners? I just went two days ago. Well, I didn't. I think it did used to be a more common thing to just dry clean a lot of your clothes. I'm sure. So I did think the last one was funny. It's just gibberish on the board. It is and it isn't. Really? Yes. The general says... Mass insanity. Oh, yeah. That's the third thing to look out for. And the board says M-A-S-N, and then it just scribbles out. Mm -hmm. So mass insanity. Oh, I just thought it was all scribbles, which is ironic because my handwriting is essentially just all scribbles. So after that, we are taught how to inform your wife and others in a, another video inside the video, mm -hmm. inside the video. <laughs> Little known fact that this is what Inception's based off of. Did you know that? <laughs> this exact film. <laughs> this 3D video is called Honey, Can I Freshen That Up For You? This I thought was very well done, and we should probably get through before I describe why. I think that, but the first two times I saw it, I thought it was just that the general was supposed to seem crazy, but there's a couple small little subtle things they do that I had missed the first two times watching this that kind of make it to where the general is right. Okay. Do you want to explain what happens here so that I don't sound as crazy as someone who needs a dry cleaning bag? Uh, we'll see. Basically, it's a stage video. There's a commanding military officer that is having breakfast with his wife and two other officers, and he's informing them of an alien invasion. Yeah, he's like, honey, two flying saucers have just landed on my plate. The alien invasion has begun. <laughs> Pretty much. They're trying to, like, laugh him off and keep the conversation going this whole Cause time. Because they're eggs that are on the table. Yes. That they're, he's, like, pointing to. But what I was saying is, there's a very quick blink and you'd miss it. It's, like, a couple frames of it showing the eggs flying in and landing on the plate. And they have eyes on the yolks. Okay, I don't specifically remember the eyes. I'm not saying you're wrong. I will say they looked like like a dog toy, like rubber eggs. And they did fall, like they, yes, they did fly onto the plate. They were not set there. He didn't put them there. They did land there. But they do have eyes. I caught it the third time watching it. Like I said, it's literally, it might be just one or two frames that you can see it. Fair enough. So yeah, basically he's like, yeah, he says two flying saucers have just landed on my plate. <laughs> and the officer on his left is like, well, turn away, sir. I'll eat them. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't have the exact lines down, but they're like, sir, if those are aliens, then like aliens are everywhere. And he's basically like, yeah, what you just said is an invasion then. There's flying saucers all over if those are flying saucers. <laughs> right, and they're still absolutely not taking him seriously. The officer on his right holds up one of his sunny side up eggs and he's like, the uh, eggs, sir? And he's like, let's just call them the phenomena. <laughs> and at the end, his wife's like, what about my eggs? And he's like, honey, they're in everybody's eggs. And he buries his face into his napkin to cry. <laughs> and his wife starts to cry, and the two officers get up and go to leave, and the one offers him coffee to help him calm down. <laughs> And they all just look very concerned about this man's well-being. <laughs> and then it just, it ends, and we get General Goatheart again saying they think he's insane, but he outranks them. His option? Command. <laughs> what a line. Oh my gosh, I was just laughing through the last, like, two or three minutes of that scene. <laughs> so... Then we find out what command looks like, knowing that you're going to be in this position where you have to inform others and they're not going to believe you. Mm -hmm. First is kill seals, or he seals off the area. Next is arrest locals, meaning secures the cooperation of local officials. By scientists. <laughs> that one kind of sounds like and is what it is. Hide. Evacuate all government employees, and then drop it. Bombs aliens back to stones. And at this point, a rubber inflatable bomb drops out from the shot of the guy that's showing these examples, I guess. And it sends rubble and a flag flying onto him, who he is wearing a hard hat. But I will say, for whatever reason, the first time I watched this, I thought the bomb, which it is in fact an inflatable bomb, but I thought it was like a hippity hop shaped like an elephant. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention to it. I have no idea why I thought that, but I sure the fuck did. <laughs> you know, that does not sound too far off from the current American policy just in general for things. <laughs> no, it tracks. I'd take the frog. Yeah. All hell frog. I'm not sure about this whole I have to get myself together thing, though. Never. Live in the bathtub. Reject society. Exactly. You wouldn't understand, Mom. <laughs> it's not a phase, Mom. I'm in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get another segue from Happy Harry Cox. I don't know if I'd call this a segue. What would you call it? This is a whole ass scene. Well, kind of. Okay, it turns into a whole ass scene, but he's, at this point... I mean, it is a whole It segues scene. into a whole ass scene. You're right, yes. He's taking us out of that video and into a new scene. So that in itself is a segue, but it's not a segue like of the other parts of this movie. <laughs> I once saw somebody eat shit on a segue in downtown Columbus. This is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> it just started spinning uncontrollably, and then she ate, went face first onto the ground, and I wouldn't be laughing except that we went over and made sure she was okay, but oh my god, it was so funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you said segue a lot of times, and it made me remember that. <laughs> You're welcome. So he says, we can't follow the film, we have to live with the extraterrestrials. 
And then he goes to the window with some binoculars to see what his neighbors, the chrome hungers, are doing. He's got Cole Flapper, his trailer park manager, wearing a wire and getting a closer look for him. I had missed until this scene that he briefly said earlier in it that Hole Flapper is the manager of the trailer park, which is even funnier that they're like in this together. Yep. Also, they were one letter off. It should have been the Cum Hungers because I thought they said that a few times, which would have been the perfect name for these swingers. That is better. <laughs> and then we also get confirmation that Hole Flapper is also a nudist trailer park manager. Yes. He has no pants on. Ever. If I was going to live in a trailer, which no shade, trailers are so nice. This is the one I want to be in. This park run by Hole Flapper. You have to go to California. I thought they were in Arizona. No, he's in California. He gives the address of it at the beginning. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. So Hole Flapper is sneaking around the Crow Hunger's trailer for Harry. He's you know wearing some sort of recording device. And they're both admiring how nice the trailer is. Cox is talking to the future viewers. And during his monologue, he's like, oh, I wish Hole Flapper could hear me. I'm saying some good stuff. <laughs> Hole Flapper gets caught creeping on the party and is invited in. Inside, Hole Flapper is introduced to everyone, and they are all drinking a blue beverage made from the blue moss. And the reason I'm not saying much in the scene is because this is the backside of that page of my notes that got really wet. So this is where it is, <laughs> it is said explicitly, Art is introduced by Buzz as Art Hole Flapper, the best damn nudist trailer manager in the Southwest. What a title. That's a title to strive for right there. At this point, Art is given, or Hole Flapper is given a blue moss beverage. Mm -hmm. He tries to turn it down and is asking for a bear whiz from the fridge. Not only are my notes all wet and hard to read, but I also didn't take many in this scene because this was another one where I really struggled to hear what they were saying. There's a lot of talking over happening in this scene. Mm -hmm. So Art's pressured to take the drink. We learn everyone at the party is planning to go to the comet hole together. Art is, you know, forced to drink the drink basically, and he starts to slur his words and become disoriented. He panics and tries to leave, but passes out in front of the door on the steps inside the trailer. And the trailer is about to depart for the hole. And the, Harry had a good line here. It's like, <laughs> no, he's being alienated. It's a good play on words. It is. Also, it's always confused me why pun means play on words. Shouldn't it be a pow? That's a prisoner of war. Mm-hmm. Acronyms can stand for two different things. I suppose. I suppose it wouldn't get too confusing most of the time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> then we're back in Harry's trailer, and Harry doesn't have pants on, and he's watching through binoculars still. I don't think he's had pants on this whole time. He just didn't get a great shot of it. Maybe. They're around his ankles. He's trying to pull them up. I get it. So one of the Seeker super fan, the one that called earlier and had left the message on the machine, mm -hmm. he knocks at the door and barges in while Harry's filming the whole whole flapper thing. Man, in any other context, that sentence would mean something very different. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what it would mean. I think you know exactly what it would mean. <laughs> 
So the kid's all like, oh no, are you recording? I'm so sorry. Whoa, whoa, I'm a big fan. Wow, whatever. And Harry's like, do you have a vehicle? Can it pull this trailer? And they're like, yeah, we have this bus. It sucks, but it's reliable. So he has them hook up the trailer to their bus and they're going to go to the comet hole, which is where they were already headed, but he's now having them follow the Chrome Hunger's trailer to try to get to Arm. Mm. We then cut to the next morning, and it is the two newscasters again, <laughs> with a fantastic line to start it off. At a news desk in the desert. Right. One of them says, let's talk about caves for a moment here. You know, I might still be frightened of them. <laughs> I love that line. And also, this is the part, the, another part on the record that's longer. There's actually, like, more introduction to that line. Oh. Well, do tell. I don't remember what he says, but they're talking about holes and caves for longer before it goes into that specific line. They cut out a little bit of it. They're now on site for the Rebus jump, but we find out it already happened. We do, but I will say to the, uh, I'm still a little frightened of caves thing, Harold does respond, well, you know, a cave is really just a hole on its side, right? <laughs> That's what I say to my wife every night. <laughs> Why are you calling Nina Ray? <laughs> you know, she, she, she asks me the same thing every time. <laughs> do you ever have an answer? <laughs> Do I ever have any answers, Austin? You're sounding a lot like Carol right now. <laughs> so, yes, the jump has already happened. This is a post-jump pod podcast. Fuck my ass. This is a post-jump broadcast. I think they call that a whole flapper, Austin. Maybe. <laughs> this is a little confusing until you get context on it. When you see them at the news desk and they say the line about caves. They're then talking about what sounds like a marching band, mm -hmm. which would have been part of the parade, which they did mention in the broadcast that there was a pre-jump parade. But we also at this point find out that this broadcast is post-jump and they're about to show us the footage that was taken that morning from the jump. So this Parade doesn't make sense. Initially, I thought it was a post-jump parade until it made more sense at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it makes any of it makes sense, but I know what you're trying to say. Well, good. As long as someone does. <laughs> it cuts to... Because they say this has already happened, and they cut to the footage from that. So we see early in the morning, it's still dark out, and Pat Hat is there, and there's a big crowd of people. Everyone is just going crazy. Everyone seems incredibly inebriated. And Rebus climbs to the top of the ramp, and then Pat Hat starts egging him on like hardcore to jump <laughs> in a really weird way. <laughs> he does. He's being pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. He calls him a chicken, which is the last straw, and Rebus then jumps. After saying, I ain't no chicken pat, specifically, those were the last words before he jumped <laughs> in the hole. I ain't no chicken pat. <laughs> pat then climbs to the top of the ramp to see what happened, which seems like this is all terrible for a newscaster because, you know, the cameramen can't see what's going on. And he's calling down to Rebus... 
who reports that there is a golden light where he landed. He also says the whole, like, I don't remember exactly what he says, but the hole is only like six feet deep or something like ridiculous. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> That's really funny. No, I didn't catch that. But I did write down that he also smells breakfast and sees some golden stairs. He smells breakfast and booze, and there are women laughing, and they're not laughing at him. This sounds like a great hole. It's a great hole. Great hole. One of the best. <laughs> uh, also, this scene was really weird to me because did you notice how the audio didn't make sense? No. No. Okay. So, Revis jumps into the hole, and as you would expect, his voice becomes cavernous. They put a reverb on it. Mm -hmm. But they put a reverb on the entire track, so all the people cheering outside <laughs> the hall sound like they're in a fucking cave, too. That's really funny. I mean, this was recorded for radio, and it may have been done live, so I wonder if that was just an accident. They put it on, like, the master track instead of just the individual. I don't know, but, yeah, I, I noticed that immediately. <laughs> like, all these people sound like they're in a cave. That's funny. And then Pat falls into it all as well. Yep, Pat falls into the hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then it cuts back to the Desert News desk. Mm. Ray and Harold inform us that when the rescue crew went in to retrieve Rebus, they decided to stay down there. <laughs> I don't know why, but I find that very funny. And then basically everyone else followed. So then it becomes clear that what we're seeing is the anchors are now watching through binoculars at the band's from the parade marching into the hole. And they say, here's the final float from the parade going into the hole. Yeah, they say that it contains the former president. Jimmy Carter is in town. Heavens to Betsy, what are the odds? Yes, yes they do. Now, I was a little confused. They left a little vague. Did they mean like one of the former presidents, like literally, or that because everyone is now going into the hole, this was the current president and just everyone's going in and he has resigned? I took it as it was a former president. That's how I did the first time, but the second time through, I was like, I think they mean that since it's like everyone, that's, it's Jimmy Carter again. He's going in the hole because that I think would have been the current president when this came out. Are you sure? Wasn't Carter right before Reagan? I think. And Reagan was what, like 82? Sounds right. 80? Something like that. So Somewhere if, if he wasn't the current president, he was just about to be. Fair enough. It all ties back together. Apparently it does. At this point, Harry shows up in the background next to the news desk <laughs> while they're, you know, watching the final float with the former president one way or another going into the hole. He just looks very lost. He does. He's like, how do I It's very you? funny. He just like stumbles upon this happening is what it looks like. Like he got to the hole and has just been lost since then and just stumbled upon this newscast. More or less. Ray tells Harry to hold the camera and microphone so he can film them going into the hole. And not just that, because there's no one left. It's just the two newscasters. Right. That's why they need him to be there. <laughs> yeah, it's only the two newscasters with a tripod, assumedly, and Harry. So they want him to film them going into the hole to end their newscast. <laughs> At which point, Harry drops the camera and turns it on himself. 
and is like, ah, Seekers, now I've seen it all. And then he's interrupted by an alien voice from the sky, saying, attention, Earthoids, this is it. Now we reveal ourselves to millions of you. Now you will enter the golden gate of universal understanding. And the flying saucer is literally a giant fried egg that flies on the screen. <laughs> Looks like a big fried egg! Is such a good callback. <laughs> and the aliens are like, there's only one guy down there. And then they specifically say, Hello, Cox! Where did everybody go? It's like they know who he is. 100%. <laughs> And he's kind of unfazed a little bit. <laughs> like, not as phased as he should be. Right, right. He's like, they just missed you. They've all disappeared into the center of the earth. <laughs> and then the aliens say, oh, well, they come, they go. Farewell, Cox, for another millennium. And they just fly away. <laughs> this whole thing is so bizarre, but so funny. That the alien, they've set up this whole weird thing about a hole, and it's not related to the aliens at all. It's two separate things, and they just happen to come together in a way where all the humans were missing when they actually aliens appeared. Yep, <laughs> that's why we need Happy Harry Cox to tell us about it. And the way that it's all said is why I, it to me it seemed like all of humanity had gone into the hole at this point. Then who is this for? Who are you even talking to? Who's your audience here? And then Harry, this last line says, Seekers, well, is this the end or the, nah, it's definitely the end. And he just walks out into the distances as wolves howl. Yep. Credits roll. <laughs> Everything you know is wrong. Everything you know is wrong. <laughs> what a film. What a film. What, I mean, before we get into it, what are your thoughts on this thing as a whole? <laughs> It has some issues, but I enjoyed it. I don't regret watching it. I think it was fun to see what some of this type of media looked like at the time specifically. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of the jokes do carry over. Some of it is, you know, definitely riddled by the time, but a lot of the stuff does carry. Oh, I think this is super relatable. Like, this could be made today, and, like, the conspiracy theory shit could be the exact same, and it wouldn't, like, it's still the same. <laughs> you can't change history. You can only add conspiracy. Is that a real line, or did you just come up with that? I just came up with that, I think. That's pretty good, man. Thank you. <laughs> I thought this was absolutely amazing. I have no idea how this isn't part of like the cultural zeitgeist. It's hilarious. And I mean, I mean, like you said, it has issues, but like I keep comparing it to Monty Python because I think the humor is very similar, which makes sense because it's around the same time. Right. And like Monty Python has so much problematic shit too. If anything, this did it better because it was making fun of the problematic stuff and not just using it as a laugh. Sure. It was calling it out on purpose. You know, one of my questions, like we asked at the end of the tick was, are you going to watch this again in the future? And this is something I will a thousand percent watch again in the future and reference probably the rest of my life. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought this was so good. I want more of it. I know there were more specials. There's a lot more fire sign stuff. Yeah, but this seemed like it, like their biggest video production. They had some more, but this is from what I could, I might be wrong, but I found some other videos, but this was definitely one of the more referenced and 
seemed like highest budget video thing they had done. Gotcha. I mean, it, they are. It was a like I said, a regular radio group, like troupe or whatever, of comedians that did this often for radio, but it, it doesn't seem they made too many videos. Gotcha. I am glad that there is more material from them and I will be seeking it out, but Jesus, this needs to be more well known. <laughs> does that make you a seeker? I think it does, I think it does. I will also definitely watch this again. Mm-hmm. I will say, I, as I said, I was listened to the record and in a way I almost did prefer the record. I liked having hmm. the faces and things to it, but there was something just about listening to it that I really enjoyed. I do admire that they went all out with the video. They didn't just rehash what was said, but added visual gags in with it to enhance the humor. Yes, it wasn't as simple as here's what it is. They mm -hmm. added things with the visuals that didn't change the audio needs. Yeah, like um, my first thought is that all the stuff with the uh, military boards. Yep. And it was, this was pretty well made. It was, yeah. It seems like they had a budget. Like it wasn't just a shoestring. Especially for the time. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. If you, if you're just listening to this because you like our podcast, this is all on YouTube. Go watch it. It's so funny. It was good. I don't regret it. Right. I'm so glad we went down this rabbit hole with that one character from The Tick who was in one episode. You're welcome. <laughs> did you have... What did I say I wanted to call the the favorite line? It's like a fidgy widget or something. Fizzy wizard? Fizzy... People are going to think this is like a gag that we're trying to make where like we can never remember what we call it or come up with a name for it. No, this is just us. Yep. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Going back through it on the second half at least, it's down to two. It's, as some Chinese philosophers said, just dig a hole that's deep enough and everyone would want to jump into it. Either that or the, um, let's talk about caves for a moment here. You know, I might still be frightened of them. <laughs> I like the caves one. I do like the caves one a lot. I, if I had to pick a favorite, I think it's the Chinese philosopher because it sounds like some bullshit. Like, it's so, like, them making fun of people using Eastern philosophy to make something sound deep. That's great. Okay. I greatly debated going with the one about all the blue eyes. The what? Which one? The one from Pat Hat about all the eyes from all the Americans that are of questionable number. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I'm going to actually go with one we didn't mention from the Buzz and Bunny vacation footage. Mm -hmm. It is right after the chief chases Bunny into the tent and the aliens are inviting Buzz to dance. He says, see, I'm dancing there, and the liquid rain is soaking into my body like little tongues. <laughs> I didn't have that written down at all, but that's really funny. What a line. <laughs> Who has ever described getting rained on like that? <laughs> I will now. You know, and it's the worst when those tongues get into your hose on the back of your legs. You don't want your hose to get tongued. Especially if they get tongued so much they get wet. Right. Don't be <laughs> tonguing my hose. If you tongue my hose so much that they get wet, we got a problem, sir. These hose ain't for tonguing, bro. <laughs> 
Oh, I thought this episode was going to be awful because I was so out of it, but this has been very fun. I hope it's been fun to listen to. Me too. And it's been like a week and a half since I watched the source material earnestly. Um, It's been a week maybe for me. In that week, Austin, have you thought of anything that might help our listeners if they're uh, needing to de-stress a little bit? Hard liquor. Hard liquor. Any in particular? So actually today I had Margarita Monday. I went out for lunch with a coworker and had a margarita. Was it better than the blue margarita from Aldi that you had for like five episodes straight? Mm. Yeah, I'll say it was. It was a prickly pear. <laughs> it was nice. Oh, that sounds pleasant. But really, I have I have two things I'll suggest, and one of them may be a little too on the nose, but we'll see. The first is a movie that just got added to Netflix recently called Orion in the Dark. It's an animated picture, and it is absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Hmm. My other suggestion is if you have a friend you like to talk to or maybe you haven't talked to in a while, why don't you get in the bath and give him a call? Yeah, I think that's that's a good advice. Mine's pretty straightforward because I've had no time to watch or really play anything. I mean, I'm still working my way through the... Uh, I downloaded the Dredge DLC for Dave the Diver, but I've talked about that enough on this show. But if you're having a bad day, just go for a drive like, people always talked about, you know, I feel like you, you don't hear much anymore, but, like, going for a Sunday drive. I did that yesterday, and it was great. I mean, I don't put it on. I can't believe I'm saying this, but sometimes it helps to not have a podcast on so that you don't, because, like, my ADHD brain is, like, I always have to be, like, bettering myself or doing something. But just, like, cruising around with, like, some some chill music was just so so nice absolutely in particular i was listening to um bonnie Vare's last two full lengths which are his weirdest but also just so good absolutely the last one i mean it's been like five or six years right since like ii came out i think that's what the album's called i think so yeah and then 22 a million no, that's the name of a song what was the one before that with all the symbols all over it it's my favorite album covers. Uh, yeah, it was 22 million. I was right. So 22 million and I.I. So if you want a suggestion for something to listen to on your Sunday drive, that's what I would suggest. It was so nice. I felt so refreshed after. It's something my wife does and I always thought was cool. And something my grandma always did. Like she always had to have Sunday afternoons where no one could ask her to do anything and that she would go for a Sunday drive. And my wife does that frequently too. And I'm going to start doing it too. It's great. Very nice. Like a breath of fresh air. Do we want to talk about what we're doing next? We can. We have a decision finally. We do. And it's weird. But I think it makes sense in a way. So I totally forgot this show existed until I opened up one of my King of the Hill DVDs, like the cartoon. And it had a list of suggestions of other TV shows you could get. And one of them was Napoleon Dynamite, the TV show, the animated TV show. And I totally forgot that was a thing. It was only one season, only six episodes. And I watched the first two episodes and it's nothing like the movie was if you don't like the movie, but it's so bizarre and trippy and great. <laughs> I watched the first episode. I am personally not a fan of the movie. It's fine. I've seen it. I can watch it, but I wasn't into the whole fandom like everyone seemed to be at the time. But the show 
I'm curious to see more of it. I know there's not a mm-hmm. ton, but <laughs> in that context, it doesn't bother me as much. It feels different. Yeah, it kind of reminded me if you combined like regular show with adventure time, like the the thing in regular show does where it starts out normal and by the end it's fucking nuts. But it had like the bizarreness of adventure time thrown in there too. Sure. I get that. But it's only six episodes. That's why I said I think it makes sense. So it's just a short thing. We don't have to, you know, spend a a ton of time on that show. Uh, Because we do want to dive into some stuff that's not comedy. But we're finally out of the holiday season, which with a baby has been crazy busy. And then me getting sick, then the baby getting sick, and then my wife getting sick. And now my parents who watched our baby are in Florida. So life's been busy, so I think it'll be nice to have something that's another comedy, uh, but also we don't have to, to spend another year on before diving into something else. Yep, it's got good balance. Mm-hmm. We are going to do more, you know, one-off specials like this one at some point in the future because this has been a lot of fun, but we do need to get back to the roots of this podcast of one-season TV shows. we got to love them single-seasoners. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a new podcatcher, like Apple Podcasts or um, like iHeartRadio, but it's like, you know, one for just podcasts that's growing called Good Pods, which is really cool. It's like very playlist oriented, which is fairly unusual for podcasts. I follow them on Twitter and they follow us back, I think. But I've been working on a profile there. It seems like a really cool system. I've been playing around with it. I might switch over to that for my main podcast listening app. All right. All right, Austin. Well, this pink water is very pleasant, but it's starting to get cold. I'm glad I got a second thing of this Crayola bubbly bath dust because this might be my favorite color I've ever had in one of these episodes. Okay. All right. It's very nice. Purple's also my favorite color, so that helps. We will see what I put in the water next. I've got some options. Other than yourself, you mean? Yes, other than myself. I almost put in some of the corn husker lotion. <laughs> Next, you'll be putting in an actual corn husker. <laughs> I've husked corn. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. You're just going to have some freaking man sitting across <laughs> from you husking corn. Maybe that's the old man that was in here before. Maybe it was. <laughs> His backstory continues. <laughs> the tick was a boat captain, and your old man was a corn husker coming from some war. <laughs> wonder what he's up to. He might have to make a return. I'll reach out to my contacts. He's probably been busy chucking corn. At the front lines. At the front lines. And it's not corn shuckers lotion. It's corn huskers lotion. Okay. Which, you know, I would think that the shucking would be harder on your hands than the husking. But I don't know. I would also think that husking would be applying to husk to a corn and de-husking would be what happens. I don't know. (laughs) Just saying. On that note, everyone, stay safe out there. Life's tough. And go take a bath. You deserve it.